Welcome in, everybody, to the Phantom Football Podcast. We are so privileged to have you on today. You might have noticed we've got a new host. I'm your host, Ben Parker. For the next few weeks, Ronan has kindly allowed me to switch out. Ronan Summers is with us back here again tonight. Simon Short, who does 90% of the work for this podcast, in all honesty, and we appreciate that a lot, is here with us again tonight. And we are ready to talk NFL football with all of you. Simon, I'm going to start with you. How are you tonight, man? Enjoyed the weekend, the football? I'm doing great, Ben. What a wild week, man. What a wild week, too. We had record-setting losses, record-setting wins. Uh, and, you know, we look at the standings, and most teams are one and one So, like, what does it really mean at the end of the day? I don't know. But, you know, anyways, listen to this podcast and uh, us tell us about tell Tell you guys about well, it. Ronan, the games are so wild. Honestly, I got a lot of things right, but I got a lot of things wrong. And, honestly, I don't even care. When the games are this good, I don't care. You? No, I'm right there with you. And it feels like every week is almost like a, a new living, breathing thing. You know, I was kind of sitting there uh, this weekend kind of think like storylines, they change every week. You know, a, a good team could have a bad week. And, you know, the, the narrative is this team is on the comeback. You know, it, it was a really fun week. Uh, it doesn't really matter if you're right or wrong. Uh, you should just be able to enjoy it. Just enjoy it, and that's what we're going to do. Um, first of all, the, the less enjoyable part of football, especially training camp and early, early in the season as guys are getting back into shape and getting up in the, in the game-level play here, and that's the injuries and some of the suspensions. So I'm going to start with, with some of these here. Uh, Trey Lance, 49ers, he is officially out for the year. And what really can only I, – I, I say it can't get any more bizarre in San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> and yet it just continues to get more bizarre. So, uh, Ron, talk to us a little bit about – whether or not the 49ers are going to miss Trey Lance, what this is going to mean. Jimmy G moving forward, uh, give us some insight. You know, it's super unfortunate. Uh, I think the entire league and its fans were really excited to see what Shanahan would be able to do with uh, Lance. Uh, it's unfortunately a part of the game whenever you send your quarterback, I believe, on a designed run uh, or a designed quarterback run. You know, freak things happen. Uh, luckily for San Fran, they did prepare for this. Uh, they have probably the most sought-after backup quarterback in the league and Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think, honestly, I was out on the 49ers at the beginning of this season. I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, they were off of my wild card race. They're right back in it now that Jimmy G's back. And it, it's not a knock on Trey Lance. It's just, you know, they were treating him really like he was a rookie. Uh, so now the playbooks opened up a bit. They don't, I feel like Shanahan might've felt a little bit forced to be able to utilize Trey Lance's running ability. So I think this might, I don't want to say it's a good thing, you know, obviously, cause no injury, you don't want to wish that on anyone, but with Jimmy G in the lineup, you know, he's got that continuity with this offense. I think this team can go pretty far. And, and Simon, I did, I did not give you heads up on this. So I, I apologize for getting off the rails quickly here. But I, I did want to ask about the 49ers here. You like Jimmy G, I think, a little bit. Not the greatest. But who? I, I guess I'll ask you this. Who would you rather have straight up, Lance or what little we've seen out of Lance or Garoppolo? I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird spot. If we're talking just in a vacuum and we're talking about the 2022-2023 season and who gives you the best chance to win, it is Jimmy Garoppolo. He's gonna. He's been in a Super Bowl in the last three years. He was in the NFC Championship game last year. Like Ronan said, he knows exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants and what the system requires. He has the best chance to take them far. And in a weaker NFC, seemingly at this point in the season, you kind of want to capitalize on that. Now, Trey Lance at this time, like a year from now, is going to be up for an extension. Uh, they just they traded three first round picks to take him third overall. And the guy started four games, played in really three games in the NFL, played in a barely a season and a half of college football at the FCS level. We're talking years and years since he's been a full time starting quarterback. And I was in high school. There's a lot of questions. So the longer you wait to find out what you have really the worse off you are. So I think if you're in, in the 49ers organization and you're up in the booth, you're up in the front office, you're thinking, man, this sucks because we put a lot in this and we don't know where we stand. But if you're Kyle Shanahan, you're down on the sideline, you're in the game, 
uh, you you're happy that you have Jimmy Garoppolo to fall back on because your season can still continue. We could talk about this for 30 minutes. I'm sure in San Francisco, they're talking about this all week and for the rest of the season, but there's more to talk about. Justin Herbert, day-to-day ribs, Simon, um, doesn't appear to be anything super serious, uh, but the ribs can linger. So, you know, give us some insight here on the, on the San Diego bit. Here's my uh, really advanced medical insight. Uh, fractured rib cartilage sounds painful. Yes. Um, I don't understand how that's day to day. It's a little similar to Jameis Winston where it's, oh, he's got four fractures in his back, but yeah, he's good. He's going to play. Um, we see what the torso injuries for a quarterback does to you. I mean, Winston had a couple picks, didn't look very good. The Saints only had 10 points this week. Herbert, it's no coincidence he threw that pick six and really, you know, the Chargers kind of faltered offensively after he sustained that hit. If you can't torque your body and you can't really put all of your weight and muscle behind every throw, you're, you're going to perform pretty poorly. And for a team that has a uh, highly established, highly regarded backup quarterback in Chase Daniels, you kind of wonder, should you just let him start a week? Because day to day for, you know, fractured rib cartilage sounds just crazy to me. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a little bit longer. I think the Chargers, they can't risk anything with Justin Herbert. So, give, I mean, man, I would give him a week off, but who am I? I'm just a guy. So, I agree. I'll weigh in as host here for a second. Yeah. If, I mean, Herbert's your franchise and it's early in the season. If I thought a week or two or even three weeks would help him be ready for the rest of the season, I'd sit him in a heartbeat. Wouldn't even think twice about it. Uh, but uh, we'll see. Dalton Schultz, tight end, Cowboys. Uh, originally, they thought it might have been a really serious injury. That Nothing official last I looked, but it, the possible bone bruise, meniscus tear, maybe three, four, six weeks instead of the whole season. Um, uh, Ronan, assuming that he's only out for a few weeks. Cowboys injury starting to rack up a little bit here. Uh, what does this mean for them over the next few weeks? You know, that's just another weapon gone. Uh, they've struggled offensively and – you know, with Cooper Rush at the helm, he looked pretty decent against Cincinnati. But, you know, I, I don't know how long that's going to continue. I would expect, you know, eventually we'll see why he's not a starter in the league. I mean, maybe we won't. He'll end up, you know, having a great success story. But, you know, the odds are stacked against him and stacked against the Cowboys in general. Uh, outside of C.D. Lamb and Noah Brown, Gallup, I, I struggle with the skill position grooves for the uh, for the Cowboys. So they're they're gonna they're gonna be reeling. I think early this season, it's not been a happy start for the Cowboys, and, and yet they still have a chance there in the NFC and in the East. Willie Gay, Kansas City linebacker, Simon. Uh, this is not an injury; it's a suspension. Probably not a huge surprise here. I think Kansas City probably figured. Something was coming down the pike. I think maybe even a couple of linebacker signs, signings in the offseason reflected that. It's four games, though, um, and they're off to two and zero start. So, uh, what are we feeling here about Willie Gay and uh, and, and the suspension? Yeah, I mean, it, it is going to be interesting because this guy has played ninety two percent of the defensive snaps for the team this season. Um, so that's obviously going to be a piece when we see in this team kind of rotate through linebackers in the last couple of years. Like you mentioned, they, they brought in some new ones this offseason. We saw them trade for Melvin Ingram last year. He's already gone. So in terms of this defense where there still feels like there's some holes and some juices needed, this isn't the, really the time you want to be going backwards. But I guess if you're going to look at the bright side, yeah, it's early in the year. It's four games. Um, and, you know, bring them back and hopefully just keep on rolling. Maybe you see how some of these young guys kind of fill in uh, in the meantime, but still not what you want when you're trying to establish what your defensive identity is to go along with this offense in Kansas city. Yeah. And I think the depth is also a little bit of an issue there in Kansas city. It, it's not that they don't have depth, but uh, as a result of the, the Mahomes contracts, the defensive side of the football, they've kind of had to redo some things financially over the past season or two. And that's only going to continue over the next season or two as the Mahomes contract gets bigger. So, so depth becomes an issue there for Kansas City. Mike Evans out for one game. Um, I, I, and I, I, I apologize. I didn't read the, uh, the headlines. I assume this is related to the fight that broke out in the Saints game. Uh, if you didn't see that 10-round uh, uh, KO there, 
uh, that Tom Brady, I think, was one of the instigators in, actually, and Mike Evans has taken up for him. Uh, Ronan, talk to us about uh, the fight or the suspension or, or anything you want to talk about here with Mike Evans. Well, it's my understanding. Uh, Lattimore was chirping to Brady, and uh, Brady had some choice words back, and uh, eventually Mike Evans came from the sideline full charge and made Lattimore leave earth. Um, just kind of chucked him probably five yards to the side. And that started, shocker, a brawl. So Evans will be out for a game. I don't know how much I love that, uh, especially if he's going to be the only one to be suspended. Uh, I feel like if you're going to suspend one, you might as well, you know, kind of the old uh, elementary school principal way. You know, if you get in the fight, both of you, you are getting suspended. You know, uh, it, it's going to be tough for Tampa uh, going against Green Bay next week. Uh, no Mike Evans. Chris Godwin's been banged up. Julio's been banged up. Uh, that's going to be a tough trip. I don't actually I don't I got know it. games away or not. I apologize. I got to know you brought it up. How, how many elementary school fights did you guys get in? Rolling first. Zero. I was a pacifist. Come on, man. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Simon. Uh, are we talking how many times the principal caught us and got <laughs> us in trouble? Or are we, are we talking other otherwise? Because those are two different I, I think answers. I have a good understanding, Simon. <laughs> yeah, we'll just move on. We'll move on from this topic here. All right. So Mike Evans out for a game. Tampa Bay um, continues to win, not looking – they're, they're winning. They're, they're not uh, – these games weren't particularly close at the end of the two games, but still obviously they have some things to work through, especially on offense. Um, Titans-Bills, good gosh. Uh, the Bills just annihilated the Titans. I don't think this game was ever close uh, at the end. I think the final score is 41-7. to Ronan, we'll get to you here in just a second on this game. The, the Bills won the Rams game last week. Pretty handily, all things considered. But this game was worse. This game was never close. The Titans were never in this game in, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, talk to us about the game or the Bills or, or whatever you want to include here, Ronnie. Yeah, Buffalo just looked good right out of the gate. You know, uh, the Titans, they were held in check pretty much immediately. Henry, I think he only had 12 yards at the half. He had a touchdown, but 12 yards on eight attempts, which for King Henry standards is – abysmal uh the josh allen stefan Diggs connection man three touchdowns or two touchdowns excuse me for Diggs. 12 receptions 148 yards uh the man he nobody can stop him uh he might end up being offensive player of the year whenever it's all said and done he's he's looking really 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 good Uh, early this season. Tan 20, 117 yards, two interceptions. Just couldn't get it going. Uh, Malik Willis. Malik Willis uh, came in at the end of the third. He didn't bring a whole lot to the table. He only had four attempts. He ran it the same amount for 11 yards. It, it wasn't close, like you said. Pretty much everything that could have gone wrong for the Titans did. Pretty much everything that the Bills touched turned to gold. Fantastic night for Buffalo. We'll see if they can continue that throughout the season. Uh, the other Monday night game, uh, Vikings-Eagles. Simon, I'm going to ask you about it here in a second. I expected this to actually be a closer game and to actually be a lot more fun game than it was. Uh, to me, there's playmakers all over the place here on both sides of the football. I wasn't surprised the Eagles won, but uh, – they, they, they kind of just shut the, the Vikings down. Uh, Simon, talk to us about the game, man. Yeah, this was a great game. I, I had a really good time, uh, but especially early on in the first half. I mean, the Eagles got that first touchdown pretty early on. Hurts uh, drove him down the field, ran it in, uh, and then we get the big 53-yard pass from Hurts to Quez Watkins in the start of the second quarter. Um, I'll talk about that more in a minute. But then the Vikings came right back. They immediately drove back down uh, in, in, within five minutes and scored a touchdown. You thought, um, hey, we're going to have a game because they were really moving the ball early on. They realized they weren't going to have as easy of a time getting the ball to Justin Jefferson as they did last week. 
the Eagles played a much tighter form of their zone defense than they usually do, but also compared to what the Packers did last week, they're really just blanketed all around Jefferson. So once the Vikings figured that out, that, that drive where they scored in the second quarter, they were really just kind of peppering the ball around. Irv Smith got involved, and you thought that they were going to figure it out from there, but then everything just stalled out. I want to get back to Hertz. Hertz is a dude, guys. Hertz has arrived. I mean, he is making throws in this game. He had that 53-yard touchdown pass. Um, he's using the middle of the field. He is hitting guys on the sideline. There's so much more touch and anticipation and accuracy in his throws than in the throws from last year, um, especially deep and towards the sideline. And it's because he has that middle of the field weapon. A.J. Brown is just opening so much up for him. And he's worked on his game a lot. And, and you know, we've been saying it all offseason, right? Okay, this is the year. Is this the, is, are we going to figure it out? Are we going to see it? They have two picks in the draft next year. What are they going to do? And if Hertz is doing this, man, and they have those two picks and they can kind of keep rolling. I mean, this offense is off the chain right now. I just said off the chain. But over 100, what was it? 163 rushing yards plus Hertz 323 through the air. Um, this offense can do whatever it wants. It's adding defensive pieces and its defense appears to be getting better each week coming from last year to this year. So, yeah, man, this this might be it. And the vibes in Philly just all around are great. Darius Slay uh, giving the interception ball to James Harden. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, fans are going to love that. Uh, they're booing Jalen Rager every time he fields a punt. That's a big deal. Uh, there's, just, there's good things happening in Philly. And with that weaker NFC that we've been talking about, this is going to be a team to watch out for. I do have one thing I want to get off my chest about Minnesota, though. Uh, and Bring it's it on, been, man. It's been building up for a little while. I've kept it quiet because it is Minnesota, but I think it's time. They might have one of the best uniforms in the league. I'm just going to say it. They they might be right there at the very top. The matte helmets just are so crisp, and they just pop off the field, and I just can't – that purple and yellow combination for me is is always going to be a big deal. So if I have to say anything about Minnesota, I think it's time to get that takeoff. I'll be updating everybody throughout the year on this uh, poll that I'm doing on, on these uh, power rankings. But uh, that's what I have to say. Jalen Hurts is a legitimate franchise quarterback and the Vikings might have the best uniform in the league. Well, who are two Agreed. and three? <laughs> yes, who's two and three? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I got, I, I'm still working on that. I'm still working on okay. that. <laughs> it's not the Rams, though. Sorry, Rams. I mean, it's the Rams, right? It, it's... <laughs> Guys, those pale... Dirty looking white jerseys with the like sticker blue number. That's one of the four jerseys. It, and it takes them already, all the way down. But they already, wear them on prime time. Those are their prime time jerseys. And I can't, I just can't do it. I'm sorry. They've already can't. replaced them with the pretty throwback looking, but not throwback white, blue, and well, they're all white, blue, and yellow. Didn't Matt Gay just wear that jersey in his uh, saucy Instagram post to the league about his about his pants being too short? Wasn't he wearing those uniforms to be upset about it? I think so, because I remember they were yellow bottoms pretty vividly. Ugh, goodness gracious. I can't do it. All right. Ben, you having fun being the host? Are we ruining <laughs> yes, the I'm day? I'm loving yet? it, man. <laughs> I'm loving it. Nah, and next week, we're going to have a full 1 through 32 rankings of the best uniforms yeah, in the NFL. I'm, I'm going to knock it out. I'll be ready. I'll we know it. that's coming. Yes. I'll have okay. it. Yep. All right. If you're in the mood for more football content from Phantom Sports Industries, subscribe to our newest podcast, the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Brandon Tim. Together, we'll take a deep dive into the data of fantasy football to get the weekly dubs and come out on top as our league's champion. We'll see you at the next episode, coming soon. Once again, this is the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast from Phantom Sports Industries. See you there. All right, Packers and Bears, Sunday Night Football. Uh, Last week, we saw the Packers just, you know, basically no-show. And then, you know, I... I don't know. It felt like Rodgers, uh, you know, kind of left the game early just because he didn't want to play anymore. I don't know. But in any case, they were back. The, the owners of the Bears were back in the building again on Sunday night, and the owner is Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, they, you know, Simon, I'm going to let you start because you had a lot of detail in this game. But the Packers were back looking kind of like what we expect them to look like against this division. Simon? 
Yeah, Packers-Bears uh, Sunday night. My biggest takeaway was the Packers offense got back on track. Now, they didn't light it up or anything like that. We, we've obviously – I mean, we just talked about the Bills. They're not quite doing that. But they're taking the route that they should have been taking from the opening drive last week, which is playing through their running back. So uh, all their wide receivers are gone, right? I mean, Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Alan Lazard is like in and out with injuries. They have all these rookies we knew that their running backs were going to be the core of their offense, which isn't really that different from what it's been. But here are the numbers. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon last week, 15 carries for 94 yards, one touchdown, eight catches on 11 targets for 73 yards, no scores. Here in week two, 33 carries, 193 yards, one touchdown, four catches for six targets, or off six targets, 33 yards, and a touchdown. So, uh, the, the passing volume is down a little bit to those guys, right? Because they were winning versus the losing like they were last week against Minnesota. But the passing still resulted in a score, which it didn't last week. And we're talking about a whole nother, if you want to throw some fantasy talk in here, a whole nother run, running back one, right, uh, worth of production to those two guys combined. I mean, Aaron Jones just went off in this game. So this this that we saw from Green Bay in this game is the formula for them this season. Now, obviously, you want a little more production from the wide receivers. You maybe want even a little more on-the-ground production. You'd like to see maybe another touchdown from the running backs at some point. Um, but on the ground and through the air, but through these running backs, is where Green Bay is going to thrive this season. And I think we, we saw that they're going to be moving in that direction, which I think is the good thing. Um, the only other thing for Green Bay I really have is the run defense is still a little shaky. For, for the names that they have on that defensive line, there were still some holes. I mean, the Bears had 180 yards on the ground. Dave Montgomery just kind of reminds everybody that, yeah, I'm kind of boring, but you know what? I can run the football, um, which is good because that's all really Chicago has going for it on offense. So so Green Bay kind of – they shored up the, the pass defense a little bit from last week. Obviously, it's a much different opponent, the Bears versus the Vikings, but the, the run defense I'm still a little worried about. They invested – first round picks and a linebacker and a defensive lineman. They have some big names on there in the front seven. You, you want that run defense to be a little bit better. Um, but all in all, I think Green Bay is kind of back on track. My big question now, and it, to me personally, I still feel pretty good about him. I'm a big Justin Fields fan, but this 7-11 for 70 yards. And again, it, after we just saw what Minnesota did to Green Bay, we thought he was going to have a little bit of success, really just nothing in the passing game for Fields. Um, Ronan, you, you've watched the Bears now for, for two good weeks here. Uh, anything that you're seeing from Fields that doing wrong, doing right, or, or anything? You know, he's honestly looked pretty good uh, in the small sample size that, like you've referenced, that we've seen him in. Uh, the, the one kind of head-scratching move to me is uh, – Fields threw the ball 17 times in the monsoon against San Francisco. And then he throws 11 times while he's behind in Green Bay. That just – we, we need to see more. Uh, and that's not even on him, really. Uh, that offensive line is it's, – it's, it's on its way. Um, you know, he had, I believe, eight attempts rushing – uh, I don't know exactly how many of those were designed. I would assume, you know, not all, not many. Might have been like half, yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to see Fields. You know, it's his second year. I'd like to see him throw the ball more than twenty-eight times in the span of two weeks. Um, you know, we've seen guys like Herbert Burrow. All these guys have stood out in their second year, and. We've got Justin Fields, who's still kind of being treated like a rookie. Well, we can real quick, real quick, Ben, I'm going to hop back in. Uh, the one thing I need to watch for, and I'm going to see it when the All-22 on this game comes out, is what, what are the receivers doing? Because that's been our big thing, right? Um, uh, it feel, when you watch, it feels like he's holding the ball a lot, which was kind of the pre-draft knock against him. Uh, how long is he taking to process and all that? And, you know, the believers are saying that's not going to be a problem. And the naysayers are saying that's a big problem. But we know the wide receiver talent isn't that great on here. So if he's waiting around because nobody's getting open, then that's a big deal. And that's uh, 
not really a point in his favor because how is it going to get better from here and how's it going to make him look better? It's not, but um, that's the thing I'm interested in. But that's a great point on the, you know, carries eight carries in this one. So if, if you take half of those as an attempt, those three sacks, if you subtract a couple of those, then we're getting up near 20. Um, but it's still, I'm with you, Ron, it's still not where it needs to be in terms of uh, his action for the season. And we continue to see the Packers, the Rams, the Buccaneers all have things that they're struggling with, just as we suspected at the start of the season. And any chance now, how, how serious, we didn't ask this question in, in, in pre-production, but I'll ask it to you guys now, I'll start with you, Simon. How serious do you take the Eagles now compared to those three teams that we thought would be pretty good in the NFC? Uh, they're right there in the mix, so they still a step or two behind. Oh, baby, the, go birds, man. The Eagles are up there. That was my the, – the, the Eagles were my dark horse team going into the year in terms of already contention. I, I believe I pegged them as division winners in, in our uh, prediction podcast. Um, yeah, man, if, if the offense is this, which it's been this for two weeks now, uh, and I can only imagine that the defense is going to get better. They showed some adjustments. Jonathan Gannon – a guy I've been pretty critical of here in his first, you know, year and a little plus. Um, if he can adjust to offenses this year, the way he's shown from week one to week two, oh yeah, they're they're right in there for sure. Ronan, we did the rankings of those three teams. I'll toss in the Eagles. Give me a new set of rankings now. Rams, Bucks, Packers, Eagles. Who's your one through four? That is so tough. Uh, um, you tough know, questions only here, man. No, no I, softballs. <laughs> I'm going to have to go Tampa one. Uh, I, I think if they're healthy, you know, as healthy as they can be at the moment, uh, I still think that they're probably the most talented. At the moment, I'd have to give Philly the number two. Um, going into the season uh, on the iron grid, I, I went ahead and I chose them as uh, the Eagles as who I think is going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, it was a little bit of a wild card pick and uh, – you know, I don't know how much confidence I truly have in that pick, but I, mean, I think this team has the capability to go as far as they want to go. Uh, offensively, they look great. Defensively, they look great. Uh, but to answer your question, the Rams and Packers, they're, they're both, they've both got some question marks, but I think I'd put Rams three and Packers four. Uh, not comfortably, though. Yeah, and I think all four teams will be in the mix throughout the season, barring an injury to a starting quarterback or something. So, Eagles certainly have looked good in two games, to say the least. Thursday night football, we're reaching back here several days now um, to the Thursday night game and what was another outstanding game in a weekend full of outstanding games, Chiefs and Chargers. Um, so, I'm not kicking you, man, while uh, Roland's uh, working up some, some thoughts on this. Um, I, 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 know, I know you like both teams. Um, Chiefs win it, should they have? Chiefs win it, should they have? Uh, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'm going to say yeah, because here's the here's the thing with me and the Chargers, my my nitpick for them is I feel like they're holding themselves back. You, you watch the game, and they're constantly playing for third and fourth down, and it's the I don't know what their numbers are so far this year on going for it on fourth down, but they have a very old-school mentality that not a lot of teams have right now where it's, Okay, it's first down, let's get four yards. Okay, it's second down, let's get four yards. Okay, it's third down, let's get the last two yards. And, and it feels like that's all they're playing for every down. And, and that works because you have Justin Herbert, who is, you know, just like can be programmed to get you four yards whenever you need. But he's also uh, has this talent, this arm talent of a Patrick Mahomes, where you could tell him to let it loose deep down the field to a Mike Williams or out anywhere on the field to a Keenan Allen. And they just don't, and it's really, really frustrating. So I'm going to say until they do it, no matter what, you know, kind of happens throughout the game, I'm going to say the Chiefs are kind of in the driver's seat because at any point they can just turn it on and win the game. And I don't think right now the Chargers have proven that they can do that on the Chiefs level. To anybody else's level in the NFL, yeah, probably. But with the Chiefs still, no, not yet. It's a fair point. Uh, the, it was a weird game. The Chargers – out past the Chiefs by a pretty wide margin in this game. Um, you had the pick six that, that the Chiefs carried all the way back. If not for that, the Chargers may win this game. 
Uh, the Chiefs ran for more yardage, but not by a lot. Neither team really ran the ball down each other's throat in this game. Uh, and Andy Reid really probably is never going to run the football a lot. He's just not his style. Um, but there still feels like there's something a little off here in San Diego. Um, they've got the personnel, um, but something's still a little off. Ronan, any thoughts in San Diego here? You know, well, Los Angeles now. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> the vibes are really off in I'm San Diego. School, They're really yeah, the, over the there. vibes in San Diego, they've been down for a minute. You know, they've been I, I San know... Diego my whole life. They had to go and change it the past couple of years. Poor San Diego, man. Just catching strays. They thought they were done with this stuff. <laughs> you know, I think. I think it's fair to criticize Brandon Staley to an extent for how aggressive he is. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much of that really tied into their loss last week, but uh, personnel wise, I, I think they're fine. I think they're still just trying to find their groove. You know, it, it's still a relatively young team and they've got a lot of moving pieces that they're trying to fit together. I, I think it'll just take maybe a few more weeks and they'll be able to find, find their sweet spot. We could cover all the games. We're not going to do that. It's just going to take too much time. We do have a bunch of awards to hand out, and we'll view the games through the lens of some of those awards. Um, Simon, I'm going to start off with you. The good coaching award, we'll start right there at the top. Um, who's, who's going to win that and why? I didn't come up with a catchy name for this one yet. Maybe we're going to have to name it after this guy, but I'm giving it to Mike McDaniel, head coach of the Miami Dolphins, for game planning – to a, to a successful offense. I mean, we saw what the Dolphins did this week with all those touchdowns at the end of the game, with all those yards. Tua looked fantastic. And it's because of the offense they've been playing. We noticed this last week with New England. Um, it's a much different style of play. Miami was one of the heaviest RPO offenses in the league and really in recent history last season. And, and that works to Tua's strengths because he's a quick processor and an accurate passer of the football. And you don't want him to hold on to the ball too long because he doesn't do well with pressure. And the longer you hold the ball, the more pressure you invite. We've seen a mix of things so far. Very little RPO, but we're still seeing it. But we're seeing some play action both from under center and in the gun. We're seeing some straight drop back from under center. We're seeing some uh, just straight passing plays out of shotgun. And the key to this, not only is it helping Tua, but it's helping the offensive line. The one thing with an RPO game that even though it makes it easy for a quarterback, it's tough on an offensive line because they don't know what's going on. The play's happening behind them. So they immediately have to start blocking like it's a run play and hope the pass comes out quick enough that they're not getting called for a legal man downfield. Um, newsflash, the Dolphins offensive line, especially last year, is not very good. This year they're still working through some kinks, but this offense is just so much simpler now because now it's a lot more just straight up, I'm going to snap the ball, I'm going to drop back. The offensive line knows if it's a pass or a run play. To a neat space, okay? He was great at Alabama because it's the Alabama offensive line against everybody else's defense, and you have all the time and space in the world to do what you want. Um, look at the throws from the last two weeks. If Tua can drop back and there's no one around him, his, form, his, his uh, footwork looks great, his stance looks great, his throw looks great, and it's a reception. Uh, anytime, and I mean, that's not news to anybody, right, or, or – for any quarterback, even Tom Brady's better without pressure than pressure, but it's so imperative to Tua to have that space. Um, and it also just opens up so much more that they can do. He's more than an RPO quarterback if you give him the appropriate time and game plan. And when you have weapons, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle doing what they're doing, you have an offensive line that knows what it's doing, and you don't put too much on Tua's plate. Uh, the, the few times they ran play actions and boots in this one against the Ravens, and he had pressure in his face, things went bad pretty quick. That's where picks and near picks uh, came from. But if you just have him drop back and you tell him to do a three- or five-step drop, find the open guy, he's going to do it. Um, so, Mike McDaniel, shout out to you for just coming in, simplifying this offense, but still adding to it and, and making you know Tua look like a quarterback that can take you to the playoffs. 469 yards, six touchdowns. It is the first time I have ever looked at Tua and thought, he looks like a gunslinger. First time ever, including the Alabama year. So his nickname was Chuck Down, Chuck Down Charlie. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I mean, just to give you a feel for, you know, not that we haven't seen him throw, throw some big games before at Alabama, 
but I, he was he was on fire in the second half, specifically in the fourth quarter of, of this game. Tremendous game for him. Ronan, the Avoiding the Mainstream Award. Talk to us about what that is and who won it and why. So Kyle Pitts was targeted twice, and the Falcons lost to the Rams on Sunday. And to some, that's a questionable tactic, uh, not throwing to your – pretty clear best target on your team uh you know multiple times throughout the game and when our head coach arthur smith was asked about uh kyle pitt's lack of targets on in in sunday's game he was quoted saying it's not fantasy football we're just trying to win so You know, avoiding the mainstream, you know, he doesn't want to do what all the cool kids are doing, you know, throwing to their best target. He wants to to make it a little bit harder. He wants Cordero Patterson to go for 300 yards. And I respect it. All right. So he's the winner of the the avoiding the mainstream. Congratulations. (laughs) Yes. hopefully you're still allowed to use your good players right like you know and like there's like regular season wins like real football reasons you should probably throw to pits he does know that right uh hopefully because you know i I would say that he's a mismatch even whenever ernest jones or bobby wagner are in dropping in coverage oh my gosh Uh, i i would say that it's a mismatch you know some of the league's top corners are on kyle pitts Play 60, I'm just loosening my arm, kid, award <laughs> presented by Simon Short. Give us more, Simon. Cooper Rush, man. It goes to Cooper Rush. 19-31, yes. 235 Coop. yards, a touchdown, no picks. Um, I'm just going to say it. In week two, the Cowboys had 20 points and 19 first downs. Uh, in week one, they had three points and 12 first downs. There it is. Dak, Dak Prescott, um, Cooper's just loosening his arm, man. Don't don't worry about it. You take your time with that finger. You just – you hang on. Great job, Ronan. Ronan's loosening his arm for when I screw up on this podcast. But, uh, yeah, don't don't worry, Dak. You just hang out over there, man. Cooper, Cooper's got this. It, what's going on in Dallas is fascinating. The fact that they might actually still have a chance to even make the playoffs in a weird NFC – Without that for several weeks, without uh, I think Tyron Smith at left uh, left tackle, without now a, a we're starting to lose track of some of the people that they don't have uh-huh. right now. On top of the people that were gone during the off season, um, and and yet they still, all things considered, uh, you know Simon, you mentioned it earlier in the episode. Everybody's one and one. You know yep. uh, they they still have a chance. So we'll see. Ronan, I'm gonna let you name the the name of this next award mainly because I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, but the Jets win an award. <laughs> Why? Right, What's so the award? <laughs> next up, we have the DJ Khaled God Did Award. Okay, this is a reference to DJ Khaled's uh, most recent album, God Did. Uh, and this award is going to the Jets simply because the football gods were in their favor. Uh, they were down 30-17, to 17, down 13 points with a minute 55 left. Somehow, by the grace of the football gods, they were able to pull it out, score a touchdown, kick an onside kick, recover it, and score again. Get a one-point lead, but when it's all said and done, Cleveland going, Cleveland's going home in tears. Talk about two franchises who take turns trading sob stories, right? But the Jets had no business winning this football game. Absolutely none. And yet we've seen them lose a lot of games this way over the years. Uh, so I, I I feel good for them winning one like this. I hate it that it was the Browns that, that it had to happen to, all things considered. Simon, <laughs> the runny nose, you blew it award, and I could not agree more. Uh, tell me who won this award and why this week. Yeah, the Raiders, man, you blew it, guys. I mean, you lost to a team that had was – you lost – I can't even say it. You lost to a team that had a two-point conversion to tie the game, called back for a delay of game after you called the timeout before the two-point conversion attempt. Um, I, 
I did the really annoying thing that I shouldn't have done. I, I mansplained to my wife while we were watching this game, and I regret it. But I was so flabbergasted that the Cardinals didn't know what to do at the two-point conversion because I was like, this isn't like – you know, they run up and they don't know what play to call. They have a list of two point. You probably have like five two point conversion plays that you're going to run. And it's on a list on your long call sheet, which the, the, they definitely have over there in Arizona. You see it every time they uh, flip to the sideline. They didn't know what play to call. They call a timeout or the Raiders call a timeout. They still get a delay a game and you lose to that team. I mean, the Raider and not only just like kind of dumb stuff like that and, and the two fumbles by Hunter Renfro, which yes, it's a little random, but man, you can't do that there. But really the issue started in the third quarter and they had the big lead and they just started trying to run out the clock in the third quarter, literally started running the ball over and over again. Derek Carr was actually figuring some things out in this game. He looked way better than he did the previous week. Um, even though not really to Devonte Adams, they, they had kind of a wild card pop up in their receiving game, but you could just see this offense moving a little bit. And then by quarter three, they they didn't want to mess anything up. They started running the ball. Defensively, they started really sitting back in a soft zone, not really attacking Kyler, uh, who just started playing backyard football around that same time. Um, so Raiders, you could have had this one. You could have kept up with you know the, the Chargers and the Chiefs a little bit, but you blew it. It's a rough 0-2 start now for the Raiders, and you're exactly right. I, I'm a big believer in running the football to run off the clock, but not in the third quarter. You know, wait until wait until the timeout to time ratio at the end of the fourth quarter starts to make sense. Then you do it. And 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 I despise the soft zones. Um, it is one of my biggest pet peeves in all of football at any level. The soft zones at the end of the game. Some people call it a prevent. Some people don't want to call it that. But I absolutely despise it. Play play your game until you know that you want it, and then start to to back off a little bit. Um, I, I'm going to hand out my only award, and it is the Mario Nintendo Award to Kyler Murray. For those of you who haven't seen it in our audience, most of you have, I know you have, but watching Kyler Murray dance around on that Raiders defense late in the game, he is about to be sacked, not once, but twice. He ducks away, runs away by 20 yards, and then basically resets a whole pocket and just stands there for another four seconds. The defensive line is basically tired of chasing him. I have never seen anything quite like that. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks with escapability, but basically go to YouTube and check it out. Kyler Murray runs basically um, horizontally 20 yards after almost being sacked, then runs back around, reestablishes a whole new pocket, has another four seconds to survey the field. It is remarkable. He did that on at least two different plays. Uh, what he can do to prolong a play, to, you know, to, 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 to survive some of these sacks is just phenomenal. We, we've seen, again, a lot of quarterbacks with a lot of speed and escapability, but his ability to do that in that way reminds me of basically a video game character. So major, uh, major props. We're going to get struck. All right, this one makes total sense, Ronan. Not too much explanation here unless you want to you know, do, do more with it. The insurance award this week goes to who? It goes to the 49ers. They kept Jimmy Garoppolo around for this exact reason. It came sooner than they expected, but it came nonetheless. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm sure, wasn't thrilled to uh, kind of get bounced to that backup role, but week three... He's right back at it. Remarkable. Um, we, we, and again, we already talked about the 49ers earlier with this. How many people were saying that Garoppolo not only wouldn't stay, but couldn't stay, that it just wouldn't work anymore, right? Same thing as in Cleveland, same kind of situation. And yet he does stay. The 49ers do some things to make it happen. And, you know, who knew uh, here in the second week of the season? So insurance award goes to the 49ers. Simon. Back to you. <laughs> it is the – I'm going to let you call this one out, man. Uh, so this is the Step Brothers. Did we just become best friends award? And it goes to – it's a it's a duo award, obviously. It goes to Carson Wentz and Jahan Dotson. Um, if you've listened to me since the NFL draft, I did give Washington some grief for the Dotson pick. Nothing against Dotson. I always said I like Jahan Dotson. It has nothing to do with him. It was about 
Washington, and I won't get back into that. But you know what? They got a good player, and that's what matters more. And he's perfect for Carson Wentz because guess what? Carson Wentz is the league leader, and I'm just going to throw this ball somewhere. Um, it may be to my wide receiver. It may not be to my wide receiver. And, and Dotson is, I think, already one of the best pass catchers of balls outside of his catch radius. The guy gets up. He gets up quick. He can come back to the ball. He can go up and out. He can go in any direction. He has lobster claws for hands. He can just snag any ball, hold on to it no matter what. Um, so whether it's a, an inaccurate pass from Carson Wentz or just a, a heave that he makes in Dotson's direction, Dotson's going to come down with it. So uh, those two guys, hand in glove fit, no pun intended, because Dotson can make all these fun acrobatic catches and Carson Wentz, uh, his you know completion percentage looks a little bit better. So those guys are going to have fun this year. It's pretty it is pretty fun to see, I will admit. Love seeing it. I uh, love watching Dotson. Uh, and, and again, I'm with you. We, we had some criticisms of the, the placement of the pick and the team there for uh, the draft. But again, they got a good player. Who cares? Uh, it seems to be working out for them. Uh, a couple more awards from each of you. Back to Ronan with the Want to See a Dead Body Award. <laughs> Ronan, explain, please. Yeah, the, the uh, Want to See a Dead Body Award goes to <laughs> Joe Burrow. Uh, he was sacked six times in the loss to Dallas and he's on pace to get sacked over a hundred times this year. Now, is that going to happen? Lord, I hope not. I mean, that would be abysmal, but I mean, we saw how the offensive line looked last year towards the end of the season. They reworked it. The hope was, Hey, revamped offensive line. Let's just copy what Kansas city did. Well, let's go. Super Bowl bound V2, right? Well, not so fast. They're 0-2 now. Uh, Burrow is getting obliterated. I'm actually surprised he wasn't the one getting injured uh, out there on Sunday. Uh, They're going to have to step it up because Burrow, you got to give him time. They've got playmakers. He's got the arm to get it to him. He's just got to have the time to. Both of you predicted that we would see a bit of a step off here from Cincinnati this year, not necessarily 0-2 right away, but that's what we're already seeing. If they don't get the offensive line thing figured out, eventually I think they will. I think those players are good enough where if they gel, they'll get that offensive line thing figured out. But it might be too late. You know, if, if they start off 2-4 and four here in a very stacked AFC because they are trying to figure out the offensive line thing, it might be too late. So we'll see what happens with Cincinnati and the offensive line. All right, (laughs) Simon, with the Mike Evans, that's Tom Brady, what do you want me to do? (laughs) Uh, I guess there's more to this award. I don't know. I'll let you explain it. (laughs) So so this is what Mike Evans said to the ref after his fight with Marshawn Lattimore. He said, that's Tom Brady, what do you want me to do? Like, I have to back that guy up, not only because uh, he's the best quarterback and he's my quarterback, but because he basically is now – the reason for my paycheck, um, I have to back that guy up. So this is the basically who would you start a fight uh, to protect award. And, and for me this week, it's going to make a Fitzpatrick. The guy just does everything for the Pittsburgh defense, which Lord knows Steelers need their defense because the offense isn't doing anything. Um, two interceptions already this year. They've both been phenomenal. They, they've been great defensive scheme plays as well as individual plays from Minka. Um He's also been an enforcer this year. Like he's just cracking dudes over the middle of the field, which we haven't really seen. Um, He's playing more in the box this year. So he can affect more at the line of scrimmage and and not have over a hundred tackles, 20 yards down the field like he did last season, but we've seen him do that. Um, And honestly, if you don't have Minka in your top two safety uh, rankings, which I think we all did in our safety rankings earlier in the off season, uh, I don't know what to tell you, man. You're going to have to reevaluate because the guy, the guy can do everything. This is something that's another pet peeve for me. There are so many athletes that I see at the NFL level. Their instincts are fantastic. They really like to play aggressive. And yet some brilliant, quote unquote, brilliant mind on defense decides that, oh, we need you to do something a little bit different. We need you to be playing back in coverage. We need you to be playing three deep. We need you to be playing etc 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 and they take away all the aggressiveness and all the instinct you just mentioned it with Baker Fitzpatrick you know he didn't look as good last year 
as he had in previous years. But you mentioned it right now. They've got him back in the box, being a little bit more of an enforcer. And, oh, by the way, he can still do a lot of the drop-back stuff and the cover stuff and the ball-hawking stuff. But it really does change everything, especially for these safeties. Depending on where you put them and what, and what you ask of them, they can look so different. And this looks a whole lot more like the guy we're used to seeing for his entire career, basically. I've got another award to hand out, but it's not from me. It is from Ronan. And it's called the Rudy Award. And I think most of you will recognize it, Rudy, from the movie. But, uh, Ronan, make us feel good, man. Yeah, man. So this is a this is an award to uh, give to a team that it's been fun to root for him. Uh, it was fun to root for him last weekend. And that, that's the Lions. For the first time, and I don't even know how long, they were the favorite. I, and honestly, I'm not even really sure why. I mean, they won, so I guess it makes sense. But I, I honestly, I don't know why they were the favorite in that matchup uh, with the Commanders. Goff tossed for four touchdowns. Amon Ross St. Brown had 184 yards. Uh, Hutchinson had three sacks. It was just a good time to cheer on to the Lions. You, know, you watch them in uh, Hard Knocks on HBO. They're just a fun team to cheer for. Dan Campbell. Man, come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. I'm clipping that. I'm saving that audio. I'm saving that. (laughs) I have so much good Ronin stuff. Oh, this is great. I love watching the Lions play this year. Um, Coming off of last year, last year was just a disaster. So, uh, you know, uh, many hearts out to the Detroit Lions and to their fans. All right. Uh, Uh, Simon, we've got the South Park and it's gone award. We're going to who? This is perfect because uh, just like the positivity that we just ended on with the Rudy Award, (laughs) and it's gone. Uh, This is the uh, this this was literally happening in real time. So we're we're prepping for this podcast. We're we're talking in Slack. Uh, We're wrapping up watching some of the the Minnesota Philly game. And everyone, Ben asked me, okay, where are we at? Are we ready to, to get started? And I was like, hang on, I want to see, I want to see this last drive real quick because, um, you know, the Minnesota's got the ball back. They, they just threw a pick, but, you know, Philly didn't do anything with it. Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as I finished typing out the message, uh, and it was after, it was actually after the block field goal. So, oh, Minnesota just blocked field goal. They're inside the 30. It's 24 seven. They can make it a two possession game. By the time I finished texting that message, and it's gone. Kirk Cousins threw an interception. Uh, and, of course, it happened again 20 minutes later because we're in our pre-production right before recording. Uh, I'm still watching kind of off to the side. Uh, ben asked me, Simon, are you ready? And I was like, hang on, Minnesota has the ball, and it's gone. Never mind. Kirk threw another interception. So uh, Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousinsing, and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, great times in Minnesota. It's one of those things you have to see, right, because I – I was a little startled during the offseason when I went back and looked at the Kirk Cousins statistics. They are good. They are Mm -hmm. very good. They are the kind of statistics you get jealous about. And yet, uh, no. (laughs) And you you have to see it, though. When you see these kinds of games and these kinds of plays, you're like, okay, I get it now. I get why, you know, not everybody in the NFL really wants to have that on their team even though the statistics are exceptionally good. Um, I'm going to come back to you for final thoughts, both of you here in just a minute, final thoughts for anything on the NFL weekend that we just didn't get a chance to cover. I want to, I got a couple of questions first of all. Two teams that are 2-0, and the Dolphins and the Giants, that we really did not expect to be 2-0. and um, Simon, I know you, were, you like the direction the Giants are going. I do too. I said they're a year away. You said, hey, they got a chance. Uh, but I don't think anybody really expected both of these teams to be 2-0 and o necessarily. And, and, and the Dolphins especially looked pretty good doing it, uh, the first two quarters of the, of the Ravens game not, notwithstanding. I, this is early. This is way too early. The Dolphins in the, NF, uh, the, Dolphins in the AFC, Giants in the NFC. Simon, are these legit playoff teams or not? Tell us. I'm going to say yes to the Dolphins. I'm going to say no to the Giants. I think at the end of the day, uh, I just can't put Daniel Jones in the playoffs. I can't see him carrying them there. 
and, and it does matter who your quarterback is to a certain extent just to get into the playoffs. So I'm going to say no for the Giants, but I think they'll have a, a nice season where they're competitive. But I think the Dolphins are, are going to show some things, and, and it's not what I expected going into the season, but I think they're going to be right in there for that wild card spot if Mike McDaniel keeps doing what he's doing here. So I'm going to say yes to the Dolphins. If Tua, and obviously he's not going to go four six nine with six TDs, maybe ever again, but if Tua can look anything like the aggressive guy we saw yesterday for the rest of the season, then, yeah, the Dolphins have a chance. We'll see if he can keep any kind of consistency there in the weeks ahead. Um, Ronan, I'll ask you the same question. Dolphins, Giants, both frauds or both legit? I'm kind of right there with you guys. I think the Dolphins, you know, they started off 2-0, off to a hard, hot start. Uh, I think if they're able to keep this, uh, you know, momentum going, you know, I think they can definitely sneak into the wild card, especially with a team or teams like the Bengals who are 0-2. Uh, the Colts and Titans have not looked great. So uh, originally it looked like the Dolphins were going to be kept out of that wild card race, but it's looking like they might be able to sneak in there. And then the Giants, I'm not too sold on them. Uh, I think they've had good progress so far, and I think it will continue to see improvement, but I don't know how long they're going to have a winning record. The Phantom Football Podcast is brought to you by Prediction Strike. Does the idea of the stock market interest you, but you aren't really sure what you're doing? Check out Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike is an app where you can invest in athletes like stocks. Buy and sell your stock in an athlete as their value rises and falls. Build your own portfolio of players and sell players before you think they're going to plummet. Download the app and use the code Phantom at sign up. That's F-A-N-T-O-M. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. We have three teams now that have really gotten off to rough starts. We've already mentioned two of them. The Raiders 0-2 could have won maybe both games, but they didn't. They're 0-2. The Bengals, pretty close in both games, but the offensive line's been a huge issue. And then the Colts, who maybe have looked like the worst team in the NFL so far, unfortunately. And I think all three of us gave them a chance to at least get to the playoffs, if not maybe do some damage. Um, So, uh, Simon, I'm going to start with you. These three teams, Raiders, Bengals, Colts, any thoughts, any chances to make the playoffs here? Uh, What's your thoughts on these three teams? Yeah, I mean, even even just math aside, like, of course, all these guys still have chances to make the playoffs. But that aside, I think I actually had all these teams in my preseason prediction for the playoffs. Now, there's a chance one of them. I, I think probably one of them is going to end up falling out. But I mean, like I said, the Raiders, I saw a lot of improvement from between week one to week two. I think hopefully they do the right thing and just don't they, they take the lessons from this week. They don't let off the gas if they get a lead. Um, Derek Carr keeps getting a little bit better within this new offensive system. I think they're going to be fine. Since he, you know, Ben and I have been saying it since way back in the offseason in our uh, offensive line rankings, which you guys can go see on Sports and Money Pro Football GM on YouTube. Um, we knew this offensive line was always going to take a couple weeks to gel. That's just the way offensive line works. You can bring na- as many names as you want in the building it's going to take time. And especially because we didn't even anticipate Cordell Volson was going to be starting necessarily right from week one. He was a big linchpin of the issues in that week one matchup against the the Steelers. So I think that could gel. I think they could find their way again. Um, and then the Colts, I need to see another instance with them with their full offensive slate. I mean, week one, over 500 total yards in that game. I mean, 340 through the air, 177 on the ground. Um, You know, you want it to turn into more points, but it's a new system. It's Matt Ryan. It's different. There's some bumps to be expected. And then they just had no wide receivers here in week two against Jacksonville. Now, obviously, shutout zero to 24 is a big deal. Uh, Less than 220 yards of total offense isn't good, Um, but it's AFC South. I trust what they have going on over there between the defense and Jonathan Taylor. I think this offensive line took a hit with Mark Lewinsky going uh, going to New York. Um, So I think they're still figuring that out a little bit, how it affects the rest of the team. I still have hope for all of these teams. I'm I'm sure one of them is going to end up missing just because the AFC is so tough and and you never want to start out this poorly. That's going to be really tough for them later, but I still have hope for all of these teams, I think. 
Yeah, and I agree. I think all three teams have a chance. But, Ronan, if you had to pick one, Raiders, Bengals, Colts, which one would you pick to come roaring back and actually maybe even win a playoff game here? You know, honestly, I think I'd have to go Bengals. Uh, they just have they have the firepower to do so. And like Simon said, that offensive line just needs a few weeks to gel. Uh, you know, obviously, they're on pace to have Burrow get sacked way too many times. Uh, but I think they'll get things straightened up. And uh, out of those three teams, I'd, I'd pick the Bengals. Everybody, we have enjoyed it. The NFL weekend has been fantastic. Both the first two weeks have been good. Week two, probably even better than week one. Week three promises to be another good weekend. Simon, finish us out with a few house cleaning items, man. Yeah, so uh, thank you all so much for listening to the Phantom Football Podcast. You can follow the Phantom Football Podcast on Twitter at Phantom Football. That's where you're going to get all of our updates. Uh, we, we will post some some videos, some clips from this uh, eventually, but, you know, that, that social media guy for the pod's got to get on that. Uh, but email the show. Reach out to us. You can hit us on Twitter in the DMs. You can email us at phantomfootballpod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, get questions, feedback, anything. Um, so please reach out so we can make you part of the show. Uh, you can follow us on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you guys hit subscribe, rate, review, everything. Follow along with the pod. We really, really appreciate it. And we'll be back at you next Tuesday for all sorts of NFL fun. Enjoyed it, guys. Goodbye, everyone.